Well, as we were driving back uh, from Thanksgiving dinner and we could see outside and really the trees were just inky scratches against a navy sky, and uh, my husband Richard, who's the kind of person who understands what a solstice is and an equinox and what that means about the rotation of the earth, said, yes, the days are getting shorter and the nights will continue to get longer until late in December. In the Northern Hemisphere, of course, we are in the season of increasing darkness. And that lengthening darkness is actually the perfect setting to enter into the season of Advent, that liturgical season that prepares us for the coming of Jesus. Now, of course, if you're in Nashville and you drive around, it's like, what do you mean darkness? I mean, isn't it like twinkly lights and cozy cheer, you know, and nostalgia? But actually, uh, Advent, the season that the church gives us, well, it shakes us up with quite a non-cozy agenda, with its scriptures that talk about the coming judgment, with bracing messages to stay alert with its insistence that we take a full, unflinching look at the darkness that surrounds us. Not just the natural darkness, but the conditions of the world. Not to be overcome by it, or not even to be made unduly anxious about it. No, but to see it, so that we can contend with it. Put on the full armor of light and cast away the works of darkness. That's what our beautiful collect for this first Sunday of Advent tells us. And we do that in the sure hope that Jesus has come and he has initiated his kingdom. And he taught us to pray Thy kingdom come. And he wouldn't have told us to pray that ambitious prayer if it were not his intention to bring his kingdom rule fully into all its glory on the earth. Advent is about practicing being hopeful in the fulfillment of that prayer and about being courageous in the reality of this mortal life. And we do that principally as a practice in Advent, through prayer, these beautiful collects that you're gonna have through the season. And actually, it's a kind of um, abstinence from. It's not getting on to that twinkly light train quite yet, making space to be fully present to the darkness. What are the themes of Advent? Well, obviously, first and foremost, the coming of Jesus. I used to think Advent was, well, we're getting closer and closer to the birthday of Jesus. But actually, the coming, the subject, it's God. God is coming. First, of course, in his son, who we read in our collect, came to us in great humility. I love pondering that, the humility of God to be born into a family that couldn't even make a reservation in Bethlehem for their child to be born. They had to like do that birth thing in an outhouse. 
And that continues in the life of Jesus. Actually, I forgot to add it on to our passage, but the next verse after this whole description of end times, it says, and Jesus withdrew from Jerusalem and uh, went to the Mount of Olives. And this is because the time that he's making this whole pronouncement is the Passover feast, and Jerusalem is all filled with people, and Jesus wasn't able to get a room there. So he just kind of had to go out of Jerusalem every night and sleep uh, on the Mount of Olives. Continues to be this humble presence among us, our Lord and Savior. So we remember his ministry to us when he came uh, as Jesus, the, the flesh-born person. But we also, as our collect tells us, are anticipating his return. As our scripture and collect teaches us, when he comes again in glorious majesty to judge both, I believe David read, the quick and the dead, the living and the dead. And that brings us to our next theme. First, we talked about God coming twice, and then we talk about this theme of the judgment of God. Now, I know that the idea of judgment makes us squirm. Some churches won't even touch the term with a 10-foot pole. We don't believe in a God of judgment, they will say, attempting to sound welcoming and kind. But the fact is, it's only kind to the relatively few people globally who do not experience hardship and injustice of one type or another. A non-judging God is only good news to the comfortable, to those whose cause is already nicely upheld. Part of the work of Advent is getting on board with the fact that our God is a just God and there's some things that need fixing. He's not a God who condones mistreatment or even inequity. You really can't read very much of the Bible and not be struck by this theme. Psalm 1. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the day of judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Psalm 50, 75. But it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. And we can't say it's only the Old Testament God who judges. In Romans, we read, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Remember that. We're going to get back to it at the end. And we are further informed in the Gospel of John, in the words of Jesus, that the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. So we know that it is actually Jesus, the one who became a person, lived amongst us. He is the one who is our judge. All that we do, ultimately, is judged by Jesus. God is not indifferent to the injustices of our world. And while he is impartial, the Bible tells us that his heart is with the least of these, the downtrodden, the homeless, the immigrant, the unborn, and those whose cause is not upheld. 
And the fact that God the Father has given the role of judge to the Son, who's lived a human life and demonstrated his love and compassion and identification with the poor by being poor himself, well, that makes us pay attention to the conditions of the poor, to those harshly treated, to those who need someone to stick up for them, or they will be stripped of all dignity and provision, or even a chance at life. Some of you here have experienced injustice. You have stood by as your case was not dealt with fairly. And for you, the knowledge that God noticed, that he cared, well, that is a great comfort. It means he is a loving God. Some of you are advocates in various social spheres, and you also recognize daily as part of your vocation the great disappointments and failures of our justice system, of our education system, of all sorts of other systems. And for you, it is good news that you don't stand alone in your disappointment. God stands with you. He does not just look away. And there will be a reckoning. But most of us in this church, and I may be wrong here, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, most of us have not personally experienced a gross miscarriage of justice. Most of us have had our cause pretty well defended. Our property is protected. Our basic rights are upheld. We got an education. And so for us, well, we need to be constantly reminded of those for whom this is not the case. Those who need justice done on their behalf, who need the world reordered by God. It was very much a part of Jesus preaching, that sort of reminder. There was the parable about those good sheep who will inherit the kingdom prepared because they cared for the least of these. They visited them, they fed them, they clothed them. And then, of course, conversely, remember the sad demise of the wicked goats who just remained indifferent, who never visited those in prison or clothed the naked or fed the hungry. For many people around the world, the final unequivocal judgment of God is a beautiful and necessary thing, something to be prayed for. Come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, that was the Aramaic uh, prayer for this in the early church. Come, Lord Jesus. Of course, and you've already figured this out, the sticky part of recognizing the legitimacy of God's impending judgment is when we wonder what this judgment will mean when it comes near us. What happens when Jesus looks at me? Well, here's the news of the gospel. Jesus came to redeem. He came not only to instruct us about God's ways, but to adopt us by grace into his family, the church, and to die for that church so that it might be blameless on the day of judgment. I mean, our blamelessness is not mostly our doing 
It's the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. From Ephesians, to make all those who receive him fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. We've actually been cemented in to the body of Christ. If we've turned around from going our own personal way and decided to follow Jesus to accept his forgiveness and his Holy Spirit instructions, well, we're joined to him. And in that sense, we've actually already gone through judgment. He took it on our behalf. And that means that we have a lot to live into, but absolutely nothing to fear. In fact, quite the reverse. Judgment for us means God coming to set things right. Advent is not pessimistic, it's expectant. And that's why Jesus' instructions about how we ought to react to the final day is not, oh, go dig a hole, wear a helmet, get lots of provisions for your family, do nothing except be afraid. No. No, he doesn't say that. He says... Stand up and lift your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Good things. God is going to do good things when he comes as judge. And perhaps one of the most shocking things of all regarding the judgment of our Lord is something that Paul tells the Corinthians when he's reminding them not to judge one another. Judge nothing before the time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. And then, and you can't believe that I'm going to be reading the right thing, but I am actually reading what it says. And then, at that time, each will receive his praise from God. You're going to receive praise from God. And so is that person sitting next to you and the person on the other side of the church. My goodness, what an extraordinary thing. Indeed, God does come to us in great humility. Is it possible? Will we deserve praise from God? In the words of Vita Dutton Scudder, what a glorious end of our fierce struggles with one another in the darkness. Welcome judgment, if such is to be the result of it. Lean into Advent. Lean in to the darkness so that you can behold the mercy, the beauty, the humility and the wonder of God.